Welcome to Criminal AF. And for those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault, and pretty much any crime that would haunt your nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck. We understand that Criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. If it's not for you, hey, thanks for checking it out. See ya. But if it is, welcome to the debauchery. The Backpacker murders were several serial killings in New South Wales, Australia from 1989 to 1993. The story of these murders made their way to England, where a young man recalled similarities to his near-death experience with a man named Bill during his visit to Australia in 1990. This chance happening soon led authorities to the man responsible for these horrific crimes. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Gary Quarter. And this is Criminal as What's good, fuckers? And welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I am Dave Jari. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. How we doing? Gotta give a shout-out to our sponsor for this episode, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why, Garrett, it's America's number one meal kit. To get our amazing offer of 16 free meals and free shipping, go to HelloFresh.com backslash CriminalAF16 and use code CriminalAF16. And we always appreciate the support for the podcast. 100%. Absolutely. We also want to recognize and shout out Ashley Driggers. Ashley, how you doing? How you doing? Lucy Miller from Yas, Vegas. How you doing? And Tara Mazur, hope I got it right, for becoming our newest members of our fucked up debauched family. And also to Laura Shin for upgrading her membership. Hey, Hey, Laura. Laura. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. Thank you. You can become a member of the debauch by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month for general support. Everyone gets access to our private Discord, and those who join the $5 tier, which, by the way, is now a seven-day free trial, Garrett. Yes. Did you know that? Go get yourself a free trial. That yeah. gets you in the Discord for seven days, and I'm telling you, you're right. missing out on a party over there. Right. And if we I... got recipes, pet pictures, spouses, talking about fuck, Mary kills, yep. uh, two uh, truths and a lie. Cartel that, murders. Cartel, yeah, you can go see the people. <laughs> Cheeky's posting cartel murders left yeah. and right. It's, it's, you can get anything you want. That's There's it. great discussions over there. Yep. Go join the family. That's right. So you can join our Ramirez tier at no cost to you for seven days. And if you like what you see, welcome to the debauchery. If not, just cancel within seven days. No harm, no foul. See ya. Yep. So anyway, with our Ramirez tier or above, you get all of our audible video and downloadable content, including the narrated scripts from every episode, criminal AF uh, short story, five minute murder, where I discuss short true crime events in about five minutes, hence the name. Uh, last week I did uh, Jennifer Dulos. You remember Jennifer Dulos yes, yes, from yes. Connecticut? And now I'm working on Thor Christensen. So he's a he's a real trooper. Uh, you can also get our Patreon. A trooper is a great way to describe him. Yeah, he's a real trooper. You can also get our Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast called Random AF, where we discuss anything and everything, and we don't hold anything back. Like last week, uh, I think last week was our most random of random AFs. Yeah. I don't even know how we got onto the subjects we got Yeah, it, they just like flowed right into the next. Dave, like, Dave showed everybody the, the newest cock ring that he bought. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, kids. And that, yeah. that's, that's videotaped. That's on video, too. <laughs> that's on so video. You, you get the video version. Oh, my God. We went from, uh, what did we talk about? We went from talking about stupid shit we did when we were 18, and then uh, we discovered that. Oh, day. the kid jumping off the boat. The kid jumping off the Into boat. the shark infested in the shark, Bahamas yeah. water. How we, how would, which animal would we rather die, get, be killed by? Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, dude, it just went everywhere. It went everywhere. Yeah. Um, I changed my answer, by the way. I want to be kicked in the head by a horse. Apparently, that's quick and easy. Yeah, but if you live... You're going to look like fucking... You're going to have a fucking... Christopher Reed on your little <laughs> scooter. <laughs> a horseshoe imprint on the top of your skull. Uh, what else did we talk? Oh, we went down the rabbit hole of uh, what is Amazon after dark. And Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't even talk about that. Yeah. Think, and but. let me tell you, Bezos is a freak. Yeah, there's a reason why he's getting all jacked up. Yeah, it's, all those, it's all those high elite sex parties he's going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The, sh- the shit that people can openly search for and buy on, on Amazon is That I had no clue. By the way. You blew my mind with that one. Well, I mean, I I, I didn't know it was going to go that deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, started, we, we started Googling anything <laughs> raunchy and crazy. And you can find it on Amazon. I mean, it's just open to everybody. Don't yeah. fucking look for it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and, and you know th- these things get 100% not safe for work, so it's it's it gets pretty fun. Yeah. Now for the higher tiers, you get all of this plus producer credits on every episode, some goodies thrown in like t-shirts, posters, coffee mugs, you, know, you name it. To choose your tier, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or click on the link in episode description. There are other ways to support Criminal AF as well. You can visit our show on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a detailed review on why Criminal AF has had such a positive impact on your life. And those those reviews are huge for us, yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely. They really do boost us. And uh, something I just learned last week, apparent, apparently Garrett knew all this time, is that you can, go, you can go to Spotify and there's actually questions and you can put polls on there and people can interact reviews on these episodes. Yeah. yeah. So that would be great. You know, go to our, if you listen to us on Spotify, go to the episode and, you know, participate in, in whatever you got there. And last but not least, you can be rocking our merchandise. Go get you some merch. Yes, sir. There are tons of designs and products to choose from, and you can find them all at criminalafpodcast.com backslash shop. Mail call. Mail call. Mail call, sir. Prior to every episode, we send out an AMA on Instagram for a chance for your question to be answered on air. And today we have three of them. And the first is from Valette Family, and he asks, Would you rather drown or be buried alive? I mean, both your you're gonna run out of air. You know what's funny? Normally, people say, "Would you rather drown, drown or, or be burned?" Burned, and that's right. an easy question. Drown, yeah. drown, hundred percent, hundred percent, buried alive. Yeah, this one, this one is like you, you're gonna suffocate either way. Yeah, you're suffocating. You're stopping breathing before you die. And then, but there's almost like, like you know you're yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah, breathe. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one because being buried alive is. I feel like the I'm not a claustrophobic person. Ooh. Okay. But mm. to know that you're down there and you're not getting out, and, you can't get and you're just and oh my god, it's slow oxygen deprivation. So yeah. you're slowly the breathing's breathing's getting harder and harder and harder, yeah. and then you you know what I mean. You start to you're you you know you're reaching out for yeah. gasps of air and you're right. not getting them. You know you're struggling. Where you're when you drowned, your ho- your breath is being held the whole time until you pass out, or suck in a whole or you suck in a whole bunch. And of from what I, once you once you start. And you can't hold it anymore. Then yeah. you will take that gasp. That'll eventually kill you. Right. So, oh, that's a hard one. I I think I'm gonna go drowned. And I know people that I know. There's people that say drowning is actually very painful. I've I've heard that too. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, ju- just think of like uh, uh, put it in context of you're you're drinking water or or whatever, and it goes down the wrong pipe. What they say. 
Imagine like how how much that sucks. Oh, you know, just like a little sip of water going down the wrong yeah, pipe, but you're like, you fucking dying. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not the smartest man in the room here, but I feel like you would, you would like die instantly. Like as soon as you take that gas, <gasps> you're you're gone. You're I mean, blacking out, or at least you're not dying, but you're at least blacking out. Yeah. I I don't know, man. That's a tough. I'm gonna say drowning because buried alive, it doesn't scare me. Like the claustrophobia doesn't scare me, but it just to to be in a fucking coffin underneath right. all that dirt is well that's that's where i'm going i'm going with you're going I, buried no i'm going with drown as well because i am claustrophobic as fuck uh, yeah like i can't even sometimes i can't even stand having blankets on me you know like it, it's that bad mm. you know so are you a naked sleeper do you sleep naked uh i have uh pajama shorts i guess you can oh, call okay. them because yeah. i just in my head you said i don't like i don't sometimes even don't like blankets and i just thought saw you in your bed just completely just like bare ass everything yeah, hanging out yeah. bubbles hanging out and stuff like that morning wood just ding <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I, I wear shorts okay. um no but yeah so i'm claustrophobic i'm so claustrophobic to the point where when i die i don't even want to be buried yeah i know well, listen like that's an old timey thing. Well, no, I I just I, I, I understand the concept of it, but just thinking of myself inside a box buried six feet under creeps you out. It sends shivers down just my spine. Eaten by fucking worms. No, that part I could care less. It's just being in that box, even though I'm dead and I have no idea I'm in the fucking box. Just the thought of being in that box creeps you out. Freaks me the fuck out. So I'm gonna say drown as well. Yep, so two drowns. Yeah. Mm. So thank you very much, Vlet family, for that question. So next we have a question from Nixel Bixel. <laughs> what a name. I love that name. Uh, would you rather eat a meal prepared for you by Jeffrey Dahmer or Willie Picton? Oh, Picton's good. He also goes by Robert Picton, but Willie was uh, his, his nickname. Ooh. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to say mine. I'm going to eat a meal prepared for me by Willie Picton. Willie, yeah, Pick, Willie Picton's good. I mean, all right. I'm trying to think of how the day is going to go. I'm going into depth. Oh, here, okay. Right? Okay. You know what okay. I mean? lay, lay out the so, story. It's yeah. so funny because it's amazing how, remember how uh, Netflix came out when they made the Dahmer uh, mm-hmm. series, they mm-hmm. were like, "Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to dramatize him, we don't want to fan it, like we don't want to fetishize him and make him like this." This, this anti- thing. Anti- it's exactly what they did. Oh, Every, yeah. Like women were, were fawning over Jeffrey Dahmer after yeah. that series happened. So in my head, instantly I go to Evans Peters' performance. Right. Like when I think of Dahmer now, I don't, even, I don't that. think of the 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 Dateline interview. I don't yeah. like think of all those things. I think of Evan Peters in that stupid ass fucking gla- wig. You know right. what I mean? Like that's what I think of. Yeah. So in my head, I'm fantasizing. He's taking me out to dinner. I'm yeah. one of his victims here. Right. He's feeding me a, a pork sandwich. That's kind of hot. I'm not gonna lie. A little candlelit dinner with uh, yeah. with Dahmer while he's I, doing I while he's doing that dance. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go. Picton was a partier, man. Oh yeah. Hanging out he with the Hell's out. Angels in yeah. a slaughterhouse yeah. at a rave, popping yeah, Molly. <laughs> Poppin' Molly having a slaughterhouse rave, <laughs> eating eating people sandwiches and shit. Yeah. That sounds kind of hot too. I know. Uh, ah, I don't know. It sounds like it'd be a much better time. There's something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. That I like about Picton. You know what I mean? It seems grittier. Like, see, so, so like with Dahmer, the way I picture it, you know, kind of like you say. Because Picton's going to be like more of a party. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's like yeah, a big yeah. barbecue. You almost don't cookout. care that there's people in the hamburgers. Right. You know what I mean? Now with Dahmer, he's going to be. Oh, I made made, <laughs> I made you this uh, I made this hamburger. Eat it, uh, eat it, eat it. Can I, I take a picture while you're eating your burger? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like weird. It's yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a just a weird dude. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a great story. I mean, you, you very you painted a very good picture. Yeah. Mine's a little bit more simple. Okay. With okay. Dahmer, you're actually getting human flesh. You're actually eating their butt meat. Yeah. 
Okay. Nice with, slice of ham, right. ham hock, no yeah. pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> now, with Picton, he fed his victims to the pigs. So, in turn, he's going to cook pork, you know, pork, ham, yeah. It's bacon. like a, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a... We have cannibalistic pigs over here. Right. right. We got, or we're, we're, can, we're uh, yeah. second sources. Right. Yeah. So, you're not directly eating human flesh? Well, no. The, the, but, police, the police said that they are, we're pretty sure... It's not 100% proven that they were pretty sure he was using human remains, mixing it in with the pork sausage. Really? Yeah. I mean, people do say that humans taste like pork. Yeah. So, I mean, would, yep. you, would you even notice? No. And then you're, you're at least getting 50-50. Dom, right. or you're just getting a nice old slice. It's kind of like, the way I look at it, I'm still sticking with Picton, but the way I look at it is that, you know, like hot dogs or sausage or anything like that. Yeah. Like... Like, they're good. They're delicious. And then when people say, oh, do you know how a hot dog is made and what they're made of? Who fucking cares? I'm like, I don't fucking care. It's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've put worse things in my body here. Yeah, exactly. So I think I would be the same way. Like, if I went to a a fucking cookout rave at fucking Willie Picton's house, and then, like, two weeks later, they were like, hey, remember that fucking sausage you fucking ate or the bratwurst or whatever? There was people in there. Yeah, there was people meeting in there. I'm like, well, I mean, it was fucking good, so. And as long as you stay away from key (laughs) organs in the brain, you're fine. You're not going to die. You're not going to get some weird ass. Fucking disease, like exactly. Just so yeah, in the brain. So I think we're both we're both going with Willie. Yeah, Willie sounds more fun. So Dahmer's probably kind of a bore. Yeah, that was a great question, Nixel Bixel. And uh, finally, we have a question from Anna Marie seventy four, and she wants to know what would be your murder weapon of choice, or would you be hands on like a little Michael Ross? Well, I know yours, the Strangler. I know yours. What's mine? You would you would definitely be a hands-on. You think so? Yeah, you're definitely. The, you're I the, don't know. You got that strangler vibe. It takes dude. a long time <laughs> to strangle somebody. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like that's that would be your thing. You just, yeah. like, you get so. Right. Because like when you strangle somebody, you know, like even after they pass out, like yeah. you still got to hold it for another couple minutes. Like yeah. they don't, like just because they pass out doesn't mean they die. Yeah. Well, well I'm not, what, would you, what would you. And I'm not saying this by experience. I'm just saying. <laughs> Here, I'll let you answer. What is it? Yeah. What, what's yours? What's mine? Yeah. Uh, it's hands. Come on. Wait. Like, I think, I, I don't know. I would probably use, like, a sickle. Yeah. You know? Then you'd be known as, like, like the sicko, the sickler sicko or something yeah. like that. <laughs> the sickler slicer. I don't fucking know. It'd be like the Grim Reaper. Just go around just slicing people with my sickle. That would that would create some good lore. That yeah. would definitely create some good lore. Because right. I don't think a sickle has been a primary. No. And just murder. imagine what you could do with a sickle. I mean, you can cut, you can yeah. slash top to bottom. Yeah. Plus, you get, you get sideways. A good, it's got a nice lengthy uh, yeah. pole, you, so you, you can get some good leverage there. You could decapitate. You could disembowel. You could uh, bring it up and, like, go right up into somebody's asshole. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, Dave. there's so many possibilities. And just, like, fucking just rip it up. Jesus. Yeah. You made it real real graphic there. Well, I mean, I'm it's a kidding. question. What, what would you I'm choose? Kidding, yeah. for, for, for me, <laughs> I don't. I know damn well it wouldn't be hands, because honestly, let's be honest, I'm not the biggest guy. A girl could probably beat my ass. So, uh, yeah. well, I, she, I'm not going to be able to hold down a, a, a girl fighting for her life. I I'm get, not, I'm I not get a, fucked I'm, up. I'm not agreeing with you, but yeah. 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 <laughs> it's okay. I get it. I know my place. So I'm going to have to... Oh, I don't know. I would probably go... Would you want to be like quick and easy? Like quick and... It's like, like yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to put up a fight. Oh, you're going to like... I'm not going to put up a fight. I wouldn't yeah. torture. I mean, I'm not a... I don't... I feel like I... If I had to kill somebody, I wouldn't torture him. I'm not that type of person. No. I wouldn't. I would try to get it over with fast. Because you just don't want to put in the work. Yeah. And yeah. blunt. And I don't think I would generate enough energy for blunt force. Like, and then, then she's like, she, you'd be surprised. He or she'd be twitching. And I, I don't, dude, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not, I'm not a killer at heart, guys. Uh, I would probably go 
I would use some, I would very much jigsaw esque. Like I would figure a out a con, like a contraption. Like I'd use like I'd go and spend like oh, ten like grand a on jigsaw, a yeah. like a, a trash compactor and just yeah. ah! push them in. <laughs> Here, let me show yeah. you my new. And then I just walk away while <laughs> it was closing. You know what I mean? Like ah, yeah. I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can build them into those nice little blocks. Yeah. Stack, stack, them, stack up. them up. Oh, that'd be a what? Imagine Cube, that. Cubes of human bodies. Yes. Imagine that. That'd be oh, a great find. That would. Be. That would make headlines for sure. I like that. How can we make that happen? <laughs> so I'm going trash compactor and then make a nice little stack of human squares. Ah, I like it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that went around. <laughs> I got kind of dark. Yeah. That was, that was that was actually a good question, too. So thank you very much, Honorary74, and everybody else who sent in their questions. Again, before each episode, we'll send out an AMA on Instagram for your chance for your question to be read by us. Be sure to follow us at CriminalAFPod on Instagram to be sure to get your questions in. You know, Dave? Yes. We haven't been down here in a little bit. So let's check into Florida, baby. Let's see what's going on in let's Florida. See, let's see what's going on in Florida. Florida man almost loses leg to flesh-eating disease after getting bitten in a family brawl. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you see, nothing's good going on in Florida right now. Right. I do I do want to give a shout-out to Shannon Hannon on Instagram. She's actually the one that brought us this story. A Florida man almost lost his leg and could have died from a rare flesh-eating bacterial infection, Eesh. which developed after he was bitten in the thigh during a family fight. <laughs> Donnie Adams, a 53-year-old funeral assistant from the Tampa suburb of Riverview, went to the emergency room in mid-February to treat a bump the size of a dollar coin on his upper th left thigh. Yikes. He was sent home with a tetanus shot and antibiotics, but the injury got worse over the next few days, became red, swollen, and painful to the touch. His thigh almost looked like an orange peel because of the swelling oh. that was underneath it. Oh. A wound care specialist at HCA Florida Healthcare who treated Adams told NBC News, by day number three, the leg was swollen. It was very warm and had problems with mobility and everything. Damn, that, that, that was, acting fast. Yeah. Brink said Adams told him that he sustained the bite while breaking up a family altercation. Oh, those those cookouts got wild. Uh, dude, I mean, what else do you expect from a Florida cookout? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're guaranteed to get a flesh-eating bacterial disease anyway. Like, Right. I mean, uh, you know, we're not impartial for, you know... I'm only here for the mac and cheese, and I left with a bacterial <laughs> infection. We're not immune to uh, cousins getting a little wild at uh, cookouts. Yeah, that's... I mean, hey... <laughs> I mean, we're both not too, uh, we're both, we both got a little wild at a family cookout. Yeah, before. yeah, we did. <laughs> he pulled them off each other, and in the process, he got bit. Why are you biting in a family fight? I don't know, like, <sighs> I don't know. The, was, how did he, how, first of all, how did he get bit? Did it say? He said he pulled them off, and he just, you know. Right, but I'm, I'm trying apart. to, I'm trying to picture, like, the, the relationship to where they were positioned. Like, was he on the ground pulling them off, and the guy was just like, ah, I'm gonna bite you in the leg, or was he chased? What, what's crazy too is you you hear people get about like you hear people get bit all the time. Yeah. Why? Like, what was wrong with that person's mouth? I don't what know. the there fuck been, was? Oh, there must have been something stuck between his teeth. I, yeah, I bet you there was a real he was a real Florida man down there. Oh. If you're spreading bacterial infections, <laughs> he bit me with his tooth. <laughs> oh, black. Yeah, yeah. He had the black. He had the black man. Black teeth. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, he pulled them off of each other, and in the process, he got bit. The wound, the wound's appearance matched Adam's account. He added, "When I saw him in the hospital, you could still see the bite marks on his thigh." Brink says it made teeth marks. I was very convinced he was telling a true story. 
He said he rushed Adams to the operating room at HCA Florida North Northside Hospital in St. Petersburg on February 19th. Adams underwent a second surgery several days later and then was released from the hospital on the second week. Adams declined to say what sparked the family dust up or identify which relative bit him. That's a, a family man right Wait, there. whoa. A family man. Snitches get stitches, a bitches. I love this. Family is everything. Yeah. <laughs> After you just went to the hospital with a flesh-eating bacteria, his last quote uh, to the news was, I love this man. Family is everything. I love this man, yeah. Family is everything, and sometimes things go down in families. He said, I'm a man of faith. People can be forgiven, and that's the way I feel about that. Mm. It was a family event that went sour between two people, and even though I got in the middle of it, I got injured. It doesn't mean I'm going to hate my family over this. Good man. What a good man. Yeah, and you yeah. know what I mean? Everybody can take a little piece of that because it's so true. Right. Everybody, you have your little spats. Everybody hates somebody in their family. Not at, at a certain point. At a certain point. Right. There's always some dispute. Yeah. And you got to just get over it because you're, you're blood. Yeah. I love that. I love What a great ending to that a Florida is. man. I actually like, I like this like, this last little sentence here. Dude, look at look at his leg. I know. Oh, Ooh, that's shit. Up. That's going to be scar forever. So even if your crazy yeah. black mouthed cousin bites yeah. you at a family brawl with his one tooth you gotta love him yeah absolutely you know it's not his fault that he <laughs> <laughs> oh man Florida's crazy imagine imagine your first reaction to attacking somebody is to bite them like I've seen like grabbing hair I've seen like uh, you know headlocks yeah, it's, it's almost seen, a bitch move to be fair right you know what I mean like somebody yeah like your first your go to move is to bite somebody what are we like five now, I remember I, I read somewhere with the story also is that he was he was probably like a day or two from having his leg amputated. Like, that's how bad it was. No. All right. I take everything back. If I got bit. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not going to be so. And I lose my leg over this shit. Oh, somebody's going down. Sorry. I'm not. Yeah. There's no family is everything. Somebody is going down. Especially because I was trying to do something good and break up a fucking right. fight. And right. I lost my leg because of it. I'm now, going, now, if, if nobody's coming to Thanksgiving, <laughs> now with this, you know the way it turned out, I can understand where his forgiveness came, comes from. You know, it is family. You know, you don't want to see your family get in trouble. But yes, you're right, a hundred percent. If I'm losing a fucking limb because of your snaggle tooth, <laughs> like you're fucking going your, down. Your Komodo dragon mouth. <laughs> the fuck dude oh man fucking florida man holy shit well we can't assume we can't assume it was a florida man it could be a florida woman could yeah, be, yeah you know yeah it doesn't say who the the biter was yeah it's crazy i'm sure we had we could share our own fucking family stories yeah we could go on for a while in this one yeah so criminal af would be back after this quick break Now back to Criminal AF. But today, we're going to jump right into our story of Ivan Malat. Now, this dude was a fucking waste of breath ever since he was fucking born, right? He was one of, I think it was 15 kids. You know, they lived on fucking dirt floors in their in house. In Australia. In Australia. Tarantulas and spiders yep. and snakes running around. Oh, living right amongst yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So it's a pretty interesting story, how it all happened and how it came to an end. And we'll get right into it with chapter one. There are many things Americans think of when someone speaks of Australia. They see visions of the Great Barrier Reef off the coast of Queensland, the Opera House in Sydney, New South Wales, the art and fine cuisine in Melbourne, Victoria, 
the wine regions in South Australia, the beautiful collaboration of desert and pristine coastline in Western Australia, the Red Rock in Northern Territory, the mountainous island of Tasmania, the memorials and parliament in Australian Capital Territory, and of course, Americans think of kangaroos. Lots and lots of kangaroos. There's a specific area in Australia that many Americans have no idea exists. It's a vast area of planted pine mixed with native forestry covering about 3,800 hectares, or a little over 9,300 acres, located in the southern highlands of New South Wales, just southwest from the town of Berrima. It's called the Belangelo State Forest, mostly known for our camping, hiking, and bike trails. In the late 80s and early 90s, Belangelo provided another activity as well. And as you will learn, it is this activity you want absolutely nothing to do with. Murder. On September 19, 1992, two runners were navigating their way through the pines when they encountered the strong, putrid odor of death. And after investigating further, stumbled across the partially hidden, decomposed remains of a woman. The next day, another woman was found. Just over a year later, in October of 1993, a person searching for firewood came upon human bones, and soon after, two more bodies were found. Then on November 1st, skeletal remains were found in a clearing on an old fire road, and finally, on November 4th, two shallow graves were discovered 50 meters apart. Where did these people come from, and what stories did they have to tell? It wasn't until a man from England came forward and detectives dusted off a key piece of evidence that the final moments of these seven people would shake the entire region to its core. Twenty-four-year-old Paul Onions had recently left the Royal Navy when he decided he wanted another adventure and backpacked through Australia with the possibility of getting a job and settling in. He took a flight from Birmingham, England and flew to Sydney. When he arrived, he stayed in a youth hostel for a bit, before deciding to hitchhike down the Hume Highway. It was January 25th, 1990. Paul stopped at a market to get a drink when a man named Bill approached him. Seeing that Paul was carrying his backpack, Bill asked him if he wanted a ride. Paul surveyed the situation, and Bill seemed like a friendly man, so he accepted. The conversation between Paul and Bill was cordial for a good distance down the highway, when Paul noticed that Bill's demeanor began to change. Bill went from jovial to agitated to quiet in what seemed like a minute. Paul recalls seeing the sign for the Belangelo State Forest when Bill suddenly pulled the car to the side of the road, saying that he needed cassette tapes because the radio reception was bad. Paul thought that this was awkward because there were tapes in between the seats. Bill stepped out of the car to reach under the seat, and Paul stepped out to stretch his legs. Bill became excited and yelled at Paul to get back in the car. They both got back in, but Bill had to step out once again. That's when he pulled a gun on Paul and told him it was a robbery. Bill threw rope at him and told him to tie himself up. That's when Paul decided to make a run for it. He quickly escaped the vehicle and began running up the Hume Highway. Bill fired a shot at him, 
but missed. As Paul was trying to stop oncoming vehicles, Bill caught up to him. After a brief struggle, Paul escaped his grasp and ran in front of a car to make it stop. Paul jumped into the car and begged for them to get him out of there. The driver of the car, Joanne Berry, first told Paul to get out of the car. But when she understood the seriousness of the situation, she put the car in reverse, turned around, and headed to the nearest police station. Both Paul and Joanne gave their statements to the police, but because they weren't aware of the true nightmares that were occurring in Belangelo Forest, their statements were pushed to the wayside, which in hindsight proved to be a deadly mistake, because the man that picked up Paul outside of Sydney was not a man named Bill. He was a man who was very well known to the police. His real name was Ivan Malat. You write so well. You don't under you don't. I don't think you realize it. I don't right. think you even realize it. Like you hit all three part, like the main focal points of, of writing. Oh, hit, writing. Yeah, you hit. What are they? I don't even know what they are. Description. Yeah. Descript. Like you can. You do this descriptive writing. You do uh, synopsises, which are like comparisons and all that stuff. Yep. And then you you uh, forgot what, synopsis, description, synopsis, and um, whatever the last one is. Conclusion. No. <laughs> it's it's about it's the way you write. Yeah. I for it's like uh, in in it's it's the it's the way you put somebody in a story uh, where it's there's many things American think someone speaks of they see visions of the Great Barrier Reef off the coast of now Queens, you're thinking like of the that. Opera House now you're thinking of that yeah you're, like, you're, like, you're, you're, you're putting them saying. into a story yeah I got you like, you do it I forgot that the, there's three pillars mm. to uh, story writing <laughs> kangaroos lots of kangaroos lots and lots of kangaroos <laughs> so we'll start this off going to a little bit of how much of a piece of shit fucking Ivan Malau was. Um, so, like, in the 1950s, uh, he actually began an affair with his brother's wife, Marilyn Malau. Strike one. Yeah, strike one. Uh, this would go on for nearly 11 years until 1965 when uh, Marilyn gave birth to Ivan's love child. Ugh. Imagine that. If you had a brother. And Your own brother. Ah, oh, find out. Wow. It's been going on that for ha- That happens years. a lot more than people think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in uh, 1971... Uh, Malat was charged with the kidnapping and rape of two hitchhikers. You know, he got arrested, charged. He was released until, you know, fucking uh, his trial. But he faked his Imagine own- releasing someone after a violent yeah. cr- crime like that. Like a, a that's red flags galore. Right. It's, I don't. Laws were so different back then. There's no way that person's there- getting bail in today's society. Uh, For a kidnap and rape? Listen, countries. I mean, if you can pay for the... Different countries are... If you can do a million-dollar bond, sure. Yeah. But... See, like, in the United States, we pretty much arrest and jail fucking everybody. Yeah, and then they I'll, just they throw an insane amount on their, their bail, right. and, and they're just going to sit there. Yeah, other care. countries aren't, like... Like, other countries, it's... What was that serial killer from uh, South America? He killed over 300 fucking people. And he oh, yeah. he served fucking ten years in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the, different countries. Mexico too. Yeah, you know, different countries have different laws. Like I don't know what Australia's laws. Colombia, Pablo's hitman who yeah. killed like seven hundred people. Right. Got yeah. like he served like six years in jail or something like that. Yeah. And now you know they disappear and nobody knows where they are and they're off fucking killing more people. I guess. Yeah. So I don't know what what the deal is with Australia now, but I know it's it's extremely rare to get like a life sentence or or you know uh, who was it the one we did Catherine. Uh, Fuck, what was her name? Catherine Knight. Yeah, Catherine Knight. You know, like, she, what was it at the time? She was the only, she was the first woman to receive a life a sentence. A life sentence, yep. You know what I mean? And 
And that wasn't like too long ago. That was only maybe 20, 30 and look years what, ago. Look what she had to do to, uh, she had to skin her husband <laughs> and hang him up like a, on a clothesline to, ah! to get licensed. Use him as like a door screen. And then cook a nice dinner. Yeah. So anyway, so in 1971, he was charged with kidnapping and rape of two hitchhikers. All right. Now to get out of this, he faked his own death. And he fled to he fled. He, he, he I, I based I guess he left uh, his shoes at a uh, a popular suicide spot. You know, like he took off his shoes and jumped. Which is crazy that there's a popular suicide spot. But hey, whatever. So yeah, he left his shoes at this spot, and people were like, oh, he must have taken off his shoes and jumped. Why would you take off your shoes and jump? Who the fuck knows? But anyway, so he faked his own death. And then he fled to New Zealand for two years and then bounced around from place to place in Australia. And by 1974, he was caught. He was arrested again for the same charges. Uh, However, get this, he was eventually acquitted for these crimes, uh, thanks in part to their family lawyer. Now, we must have been a good, good lawyer. Well, listen, when you have fucking 10, 15 fucking fuck ups as kids, you might want to put it, have an attorney on retainer, you know, a good one. Um, so in 1977, Malat again attempted to rape and kidnap two other women, but he was never charged for this crime. I guess there wasn't enough proof or whatever. So we're starting to see a pattern here. Okay. Uh, Clearly. Yeah. So in 1983, Malat, I think at the time he was in his 40s, he met a 16-year-old girl named Karen Duck, who was pregnant with his cousin's baby. What in the outback... And they were married the following year. <laughs> what, what in the out? Sounds like a Florida man story. Yeah. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it is. It's <laughs> legit. <laughs> you know, this is like some backwood. You know, Appa- ding, 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 ding. This is some Appalachian fucking shit. Hey. You know? <laughs> um, so, but they were separated three years later in 1987 due to severe domestic violence by the hands of Malat. All right. So after their separation and divorce in 1989, he fucking goes off the fucking deep end and nothing else to live for he turns to extreme levels of violence so which which brings us to the story of Paul Onions I mean at this point what was it 1992 or 1990 this one went down whatever it was he started in 89 so for at this point he's going on a killing spree robbing people oh yeah and then picking up all these hitchhikers yeah you going to Australia to go visit the outback, see, oh, yeah. see the nature, right? Yeah. See nature, go out in the, the woods, drive around, and you get pulled, you get robbed at gunpoint in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and then ch- and then you decide to run, and you're getting yeah. shot at, and then you get chased down. Imagine that shit. That is terrifying. You're on back road in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You you manage to escape, yeah. and then you're running, and you look behind you, and some dude is just, <laughs> oh my <laughs> Popping god, off shots. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody. For Miles, you're lucky. He's lucky that he even had that. You know, uh, he's lucky. He's completely lucky that Joe, that that woman, Joanne, was yeah. driving down the road. Yeah, and that's just like the beginning of the story. Basically, I mean, basically for 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 this, because they actually went to the police, and the police were like, "Meh, no, we don't know." Yeah, yeah, like whatever. I mean, some crazy guy. Whatever, you got away, you're fine. Now, if they had, they may have, you know, stopped another handful of fucking murder. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a growing trend on this podcast. Right. Cause we always highlight the fuck-ups of, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, law enforcement here. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically like a bunch of fucking Keystone cops are like, eh, well, you got away. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. It's the outback, baby. It's yeah. crazy out here. You're, you're over you're over exaggerating. Don't be fucking drama. Um, so we'll go into just a tad bit more about Ivan Malat, and we'll go into uh, some of the victims of, of his murder spree. 
Ivan Malat was the fifth of 14 children born to Stephen Malat, a migrant from Yugoslavia, and Margaret, a native Australian. When the two first met in Guildford, New South Wales, Stephen was 32, Margaret just 14 years old. They married two years later. Stephen worked long and hard as a wharf laborer to support his large family, leaving before the sun came up to catch a train into Sydney and came home when it was dark, which left him little time to truly be a father to his clan. Many of his children grew up to push the limits of the law, with Ivan making a name for himself as a juvenile. Known to display antisocial behavior, Ivan was sent to Boys Town at the age of 13 after displaying violent acts against animals where he would chase and butcher animals with a machete. He would go on to commit a series of crimes throughout the years, from petty theft, break-in entering, and car theft, spending time in and out of prison during this period, which would ultimately lead to more violent crimes. In 1989, two friends from Frankston were last seen on December 30th in Sydney as they were heading off to Albury for Confest. 19-year-olds Deborah Everest and James Gibson were on a trip of a lifetime, having hitchhiked from Frankston to Sydney where they were to meet up with friends and they would all travel to Albury. However, when Deborah and James arrived, their friends had already left. For Deborah, this was all new territory for her. She had never traveled far from home, let alone hitchhiked. After some persuasion from James, she approached her mother to ask permission. At first, Deborah's mother was a little skeptic, but James assured her that as long as he was with Deborah, nothing bad was going to happen. After some thought, Deborah's mother gave them her blessing. They were both excited when they reached Sydney. Deborah called her mother and told her all about the Sydney Harbor with a promise to send a postcard. Then, the communication stopped. James and Deborah's remains would be found in the Belangelo State Forest on October 14, 1993, nearly four years after they were last seen or heard from. They were the third and fourth victims to be found. Three German natives would also go missing within a year's time in 1991. First, Simone Schmeidel, 21, known as Simi to her friends, would disappear on January 20th, 1991, as she was on her way from Sydney to meet her mother in Melbourne. Her mother was flying in from Germany to join Simone for a camping holiday. When a friend advised Simone on the dangers of hitchhiking, she presented a tourist brochure that said hitchhiking is safe and all Australians were warm and friendly. I think it's safe to assume that this brochure is no longer in publication. Then, 21-year-old Gabor Nuzbauer and 20-year-old Anja Habsheed departed the Backpackers Inn in King's Cross on December 26, 1991. Their plan was to hitch from Sydney to Adelaide, South Australia, then to Darwin Northern Territory with a quick stop in Asia before heading back to Germany. The last person to hear from them was Gabor's mother, who said she received a call from him mentioning how difficult it was to sleep in a sweltering Australian heat. 
Simone, Gabor, and Anya were found on November 1st and November 4th of 1993 in a clearing along a fire trail. They were the 5th, 6th, and 7th victims found. They may all still be missing to this day if it weren't for those joggers in September of 1992 who came across one body and a day later, another of both 21-year-old Carolyn Clark and 22-year-old Joanne Walters. All right, so we talked enough about Ivan Malat and his story. I want to uh, kind of focus in on, on some of the victims here. Uh, we first talk about Deborah Everest and James Gibson. And actually, one of our friends on Instagram, uh, Bella, she, you know, she's a native of Australia. She was actually friends with, with Deborah. So we, we talked a little bit about, about her and uh, James Gibson. Now, when their bodies were found, there's speculation on, on what had occurred, but they can kind of detail by how the bodies were found and what actually possibly occurred. And basically what they're saying is that when their bodies were found, James was found in a fetal position with eight knife wounds in his back and spine, uh, one of which at least would have uh, rendered him paralyzed. Oof. And the others would have penetrated his heart and lungs. So all blows to the back, okay? Uh, Deborah, she was uh, savagely beaten. Uh, her jaw was broken. She had two major skull fractures, uh, knife wounds to her, her back and her head. So basically what they believe is is that Malat would stab James first in the back, uh, rendering him paralyzed. You know, he's helpless. It's kind of precision right there. Yeah. He, I mean, he knew well, what he was doing. This isn't the first time people were they had their uh, uh, spinal cords severed, okay? So he actually knew exactly how to fucking, you know, uh, take people out. Um, so he was left paralyzed, helpless, and probably still alive to hear the horrors of, of Deborah being... Brutally beat. Beaten, raped, stabbed. And then Malat would return to James and repeatedly stab him in the back to deliver the death blows to his heart and his lungs. Wow. Like, this is precision fucking yeah. stabbing. Like, this is not something you just fucking, like pick up on you, this is like years of fucking hunting both animals and humans yeah. you know what I mean I mean yeah he's a lot of ex- guy he, you know he probably did a lot of hunting too yeah and uh, you know we talk about uh, a little bit later how he would get pleasure out of like torturing fucking animals and shit of course you know so I mean this is a, a learned skill that, that took years if not decades to fucking master uh, next we'll, we'll we talk about uh, Simone Schmeidel uh, she was discovered to have received at least eight stab wounds, two of which would which would have severed her spinal cord, and the rest puncturing her heart and lungs. So again, precision stabs knows exactly where to fucking hit. Um, now there were there was clothing that was found nearby uh, Simone, but it didn't belong to her. So a little bit more searching. Uh, this is what led them to find, uh, and this is what led to the discovery of Gabor Nujbauer and Anya Habsheed. Uh, they were both in shallow graves, nearly uh, about 50 meters apart. Now, Gabor was shot in the head six times, and Anya had been decapitated. So, a little different uh, uh, method. Method, uh, but dis- still so violent. Yeah. Yeah. So, despite an extensive search, uh, Anya's head was never found. So, I don't know if it was taken as a souvenir, if he took it and disposed of it somewhere else. Who knows? And, you know, what we'll learn about later is that Malat never talked about these murders, never confessed, never fucking 
I never did this. You're fucking crazy. I'm completely innocent, blah, 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 which makes you a big fucking piece of shit. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get into that. Do you think it's worse if they confess and try to get the fame? Or do you think uh, it's, you said it? he was a piece of shit because he didn't confess to the murders. I almost think that trying to get fame out of it makes you more of a fucking so psychopath. Well, no, and, I'm, and, I'm not talking about fame because like Ted Bundy. Like, we'll talk about Bundy. Bundy was all in it. He's like, look at me, eyes on me. Yeah. You know, I'm, Narcissistic. I'm, uh, same with Israel Keys. I'm withholding information because that makes me more powerful and yeah. blah, 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 You know, he liked to sit up on that stand and, be, and think he had something over it. Right. Right. And then there's like Jeffrey Dahmer. He's like, yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. I'm guilty. I did this. Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't seeking fame. He's just being like, okay, yeah. I, you got me. I did this. Yeah. I have a fucking problem. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what I'm talking about. I see what you're saying. That's so what I'm saying- talking about. Confessing almost confessing to them, like yeah, you got openly, me. yeah, I'm guilty, guilty as charged, you know, not like oh, you know, I want fucking this and this and this for you know details of how I, you know what I mean, and to not say anything at all when you've been proven, yeah, like when when Bundy was defending himself in yeah. court, he was asked he asked the the coroner to re re like he he wanted recap the, to, yeah, the recap details. his details and yeah. then he just sat there and was like fucking getting a. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and he just wanted to hear it. it had nothing to do with his defense, and right. he was like, "Okay, no further questions." No like, further questions. I just wanted to hear you talk about yeah. my fucking sat murder. there with a little fucking smirk. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so that's 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 what I mean. I, it's, if if you can give closure to you know a, a someone's family, family, I mean, why not just do it? I mean, yeah, you're caught fair and square. You're caught fair and square. You're you're gonna die. You know, in prison. I was just fucking get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I agree. I, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll continue on with this story and we'll uh, discuss uh, two more victims, uh, Carolyn Clark and Joanne Walters, you know, as well as what became of Ivan Malat in uh, chapter three. English natives Carolyn Clark and Joanne Walters had met at a youth hostel in Sydney. They became fast friends and had made plans to travel together to see Ayers Rock in Northern Territory and a Nullarbor Plain in the Western Australia desert. But first, they needed money. They decided on getting jobs picking fruit in Victoria before continuing their travels. They were seen just south of Sydney asking for directions to the Hume Highway and then vanished. The news of the backpacker murders made national headlines, and soon, the story spread across the world. Which brings us back to Paul Onions. Now back in England, Paul heard the story of the bodies found in the Belangelo Forest. Recalling his own experience, he decided to follow up with police in Australia. With only the name Bill and the Nissan Patrol he was driving, police eventually turned their sights on the Malott family where they learned that Ivan had sold a Nissan Patrol shortly after the discovery of Carolyn and Joanne. It was discovered that Ivan had used his brother Bill's name to get jobs, register vehicles, and apparently to introduce himself to hitchhikers. Paul was flown in to view a lineup and pointed to Ivan Malat as the man he encountered back in January of 1990. Police used this new information to get warrants to search a number of Malat family homes where they found 24 weapons, four of which were used in the murders. They also found numerous items belonging to the backpackers, 
that were given to family members as gifts. Ivan Malat was arrested on May 24, 1994. First for the kidnapping and assault of Paul Onions, then with charges for the seven backpacker murders. He was convicted and was given seven life sentences for the murders, as well as six years each for the attempted murder, false imprisonment, and the robbery of Paul Onions. After spending over two decades at Goldburn's Supermax prison, Ivan Malat was transferred to Long Bay Correctional Center to spend his final days on this earth. On October 27, 2019, Malat passed away due to terminal throat and stomach cancer. There has been rampant speculation throughout the years that Ivan Malat had an accomplice. Most believe it to be one or more of his brothers, as they were found in possession of items belonging to the victims. There was also a lock of hair that was found in the grasp of Joanne Walters, and initial testing was shown that the hair didn't belong to either Joanne or Malat. However, police have conducted numerous extensive interviews with several family members, friends, and acquaintances of Ivan Malat, and all have since been cleared. Police also saved six strands from the initial lock of hair, and with advanced technology, it is now known to be that of Joanne. So this particular case against Ivan Malat is closed. There are no other suspects, and any conspiracy theories will fall short of facts. However, the Malat name wouldn't fall too far off the police's radar. As in November of 2010, Matthew Malat, Ivan's nephew, murdered his 17-year-old friend in the very same forest as his uncle. But that is a story for another time. Criminal AF would be back after this quick break. Now back to Criminal AF. Dave, let me just tell you, I love the way you ended that story too. Because, God, you can't... There's no Look, conspiracies, there's nothing, it's cut and dry, clean clears, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> you kept the conspiracy going and I love it. <laughs> So whenever whenever we you know talk about these stories, I like to, uh, for lack of a better way of explaining it, I like to get like an insider uh, point of view, whatever, um, you know, because we talk about you know different things. Michael Ross, like the 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 main story of Michael Ross is you never hear that he was a ne- uh, necrophiliac. You know, he never went back and had sex with the bodies or masturbated on them, whatever. You know, it's hardly ever it's spoken about. Spoken about. But that was that was a key thing because this. because Ross is near and dear to our hearts in the state of Connecticut, correct? And we know people who know people who know part of the story. Um, like I I know someone who is involved. Yeah, so same with me. My neighbor, case, my neighbor, yeah. growing up with right. her, her uh, best friend. Ross was one hundred percent a necrophiliac. Yeah, he went back and had sex with these with these girls' uh, corpses. That was a, a key. Turn on for him, right? You know I mean, that's yep. I'm surprised it's not talked about more. Yeah. Now, so and, and with this story, like I was talking with Bella, you know, I asked her because it's never been proven that Malat had an accomplice, but it's been speculated. Now, when I was talking to her with Bella, I was like, "Do you think that he did this alone, or do you think his brothers were, were helped him with this?" Because as we talk in the story, his brothers had a lot of the uh, were in possession of a lot of the items from these victims. Um, you know his his what his brother's wife had uh, one of the shirts, 
you know, that belonged to uh, one of, I believe, Carolyn. And she says that basically, you know, she can't speak for everybody in Australia, but the, the belief is that Ivan Milan 100% had help. It, it almost seems like that type of hillbilly, rednecky family that terrorizes people. Right, you know what yeah. I mean? Te- very much Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Like The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, like that. that definitely, it definitely gives off those vibes. Right. Now, and when you look at, you know, the, the Malat family, I'm not saying all of them are fucking shitbags. Yeah. But a good portion of them are shitbags. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, we have a couple more murderers in the family, too. So. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It trickles down to the fucking nephew. But, um... So let's go into so yeah basically the perception is or the belief is that there are more malots that are part of the story that that's not spoken of or, or hasn't been confirmed or whatever but that's the belief but we'll go into uh, actually Caroline and Joanne when they were found the scene kind of painted a horrific story uh, Joanne was found with a total of fourteen stab wounds okay nine of these wounds were in her back which each of these nine wounds would have paralyzed her. They're all blows to the spine. Uh, She had one wound in her neck, which would have been fatal as well, and four wounds to the chest. Each of them would have been fatal. So these are precision blows, right? It's Um, it's also interesting that, you know, there were some victims that were found killed a specific way and some victims that were found a different different way. Exactly. He never took anybody's head. Now all of a sudden he's taking heads. Yeah. I don't know. Different methods, different manners, different... Because there's a clear pattern in some of these. Right. And it's very rare for a serial killer to break. Unless he's trying to like hide his case or, or, you know what I mean? Right. Let the trail go cold. You bring up a very good point. I'm proud of you. That was good. (laughs) Thanks. Very (laughs) thought provoking. (laughs) Holy shit. Now you got my head spinning a little bit. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, this was very like knife stab precision, but yet Caroline, she was found shot in the head 10 times with each shot appearing to be strategically placed. Oof, there's not much left after getting shot in the head 10, 10 times. times. Correct. Now, because of these precision shots, it's believed that she was used as target practice. Like basically, Woo, like, that's a sucky way, man. Yeah, that's a sucky way to go. Like basically tied to a tree or or, or something where she can't move, and they just stood. They, I say they, yeah. big, him, whoever, um, stood back and chink, 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 ten, you know, ten times in the fucking head each. That's psycho. That's that's a psychopath, right yeah. there. Like, woo! You almost got her there, Bill. Yeah, fucking nuts. So, uh, as horrible and horrific as these murders were, uh, there are several more that police have been, or had been, wanting to speak to Malat about in hopes that he would at least confess to something. Yeah. All right. So, these unsolved murders, uh, they, they date back to 1971. And bear with me, there, there's a few. So, uh, the first was uh, Karen Rowland. She was 20. Uh, she was last seen alive on February 26, 1971. She was supposed to pick up her sister uh, to attend a party in a nearby in a nearby town, and when it was decided at the last minute that her sister would ride with her fiance, okay, when she didn't know, uh, when she didn't show up to the party or arrive at home later that evening, she was reported missing. Um, on May thirteenth of that year, uh, her remains were found at the Air Disaster Memorial. Uh, she was found laying on her back with her clothes pulled down past her knees. And because of decomp, uh, they couldn't determine a cause of death. But she was identified as being Karen Rowland. Hmm. 
Now, uh, Malat's connection to this is that the day of her disappearance on February 27th, Malat had bragged to co-workers that he killed and buried someone in the bush. Okay? And... I guess the area of the air national, uh, the air disaster memorial is considered the The bush. bush. Um, then we have student nurses, Robin Bartram and Anita Cunningham. They're both hitchhiking from Melbourne to Bowen to visit Robin's mother on July 4th, 1972, when they both went missing. Uh, in November, a body was found under a bridge along Flinders highway, which turned out to be Robin naked from the waist down and shot in the head twice by a 22 caliber rifle. Anita has never been found. Um, now, his connection to that would be the same M.O. and caliber rifle as the Belangolo killings. Uh, then there was 18-year-old uh, Gabrielle Janke and 16-year-old Michelle Riley, who went missing in October 6, 1973, when both were last seen entering a taxi. Now, a week later, Gabrielle's remains were found along the Pacific Highway at the bottom of an embankment. And 10 days later, on October 23rd, Michelle's remains were found discovered along the side of uh, Mount Tambourine Highway. Now, both were bludgeoned to death, and their clothes were pulled down in the same manner as the other women. Uh, and this is how they connected this one, because, because of the clothes. You know, yeah. Were arranged in the same way as the victims that they knew that he killed. Uh, another one was Leanne Goodall. She was 20. She was last seen alive on the afternoon of December 30th, 1978, at the Star Hotel in Newcastle. She was to attend uh, college classes at Newcastle Technical College when she uh, disappeared, and she has never been found. Now, Malat was known to stay at numerous hotels throughout this region during this time, uh, with the Star Hotel as his most frequent. So that puts him in the, wow, in the same, same hotel, same area. To think that, I mean, this is early 70s all the yeah. way to the late 90s. This yeah. guy was unchecked. Yeah. I mean, horrendous, like literally being a terrorizer mm-hmm. for that long yep. without getting like caught. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Now, in in April of 1979, uh, Robin Hickey, she was 18, she left home in Swansea as she was scheduled to meet her netball teammate at the Belmont Hotel. Uh, Robin never made it, and she was never seen again, alive or otherwise. And again, Malat's connection was that he was staying at a hotel near her place of employment at the time of her disappearance. So he could have been, you know, tracking her. Uh, Another Swansea disappearance occurred around the same time on April 20th, 1979. 14-year-old Amanda Robinson was last seen uh, getting off a bus after a school dance. Now, as with the case with Robin Hickey, Malat was staying at a hotel within the general vicinity of of that disappearance. You know, these are just a few of the fucking numerous cases that police were trying to talk to Malat about. But as with previous cases, and even with the ones he was convicted of, he denied any involvement, and he went to grave with all of these fucking secrets. He could have his numbers. He could have been up. He could have been prolific. Prolific. If, if he uh, right actually admitted to those. And let's hope. Let's hope at the end of this, guys. Let's just pray that he suffered with his throat cancer, stomach cancer. Oh, absolutely. I hope yeah. he had a slow death. Yeah. And I hope there was not much help from the penal system. We could hope. Let's hope. Yeah. Yeah, he was a fucking shitbag. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Criminal AF. That's Ivan Malat in the Backpacker Murders. Before we go, if you liked what you heard, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review or comment on the episode. And don't forget, you can become one of the debauch by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month for general support. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our Discord channel. 
those who join the $5 tier or above, seven-day trial, seven-day trial, <laughs> get all of our audible, video, and downloadable content, including narrated scripts from every story, five-minute murder, our Patreon-only, not-safe-for-work, bi-weekly podcast, Random AF. For the higher tiers, you, also, you get all of this, plus producer credits on every episode, some goodies thrown in, like t-shirts, posters, coffee mugs, etc. Just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support to choose your tier. Links to our support, socials, merchandise, reviews, and more are in the episode description. Signing off from Studio Chloroform. Keep your head on a swivel and stay safe till next time. Now, now give me our theme music. See ya. Yeah.